0: Welcome back to Twibley, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, if you build it, he will come. Insert joke here. It's Jeff McLarge-Huge. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Well, that must be nice, because I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, what's going on? What- well, uh, uh, it's not that I'm in a bad mood, but, like, have you ever done something so stupid that you, like, hate your own guts for, like, just hours or days or whatever does that
1: include like getting into car accidents by being a dummy because that i've done
0: maybe you you i'll let you be the judge of your own stupidity All right. All right. and Fair uh enough. and self-loathing but here's what i did um now keep in mind several years ago i was burning some uh it's like like brush in my backyard um yeah, i remember this story Yeah, and I accidentally, like, burnt down my backyard. And then, like, it was like a comedy of errors. Like, the the grass caught on fire, and I, like, poured my bucket of water all over it. It didn't do the job. And I went running over to the, uh, the hose. And then the hose was – it was winter time, so the hose was just like an a old man with a prostate problem. So was just, I was like, come on, right? So they ended up having to call the fire department. And I'm like on the phone with the fire department like yelling at them because they're like, are there any structures on fire? I'm like, no, um, it's just the grass. Can you send somebody down here, please? And they're like, well, are there any structures on fire? I'm like, listen, there's going to be plenty of structures on fire, namely my house. If you don't quit jerking me off on the phone, now get somebody down here. So this week I had, and you can see where this is going, right? I, I had it's three.
1: It's probably a fire thing and a theme. In sure this is.
0: I had two or three, like those jar candles of various sizes. Um, okay. I had like two or three of those that were, you know, nearing the end. So my idea was I was going to melt them down and consolidate them into one larger candle. So I filled up a frying pan, like a deep frying pan with some water. And I put them in there to double boil it, so you can uh, do the thing. Then the phone rang, and then I went downstairs and played video games for a couple of hours. <laughs> and when and you came I, upstairs, your yard was on fire. And then when I came upstairs, I found out that my f- smoke detectors don't work, and I got to go buy some new ones because my house was just full of smoke. I was, and I instantly knew what I did. It wasn't yeah. like a panic, like "Oh my god, my house is on fire." I was like, right. "Oh no." So, yeah, the house is just full of smoke. The candles were completely melted <laughs> and starting to evaporate. All the water in the frying pan was obviously gone. It You know, it's it's March. It's still freaking freezing outside. So here it is. It's like 7 o'clock at night, and I got all the windows and doors open in my house. My neighbors, again, must think I'm an idiot. And I got, like, all these box fans going, and it, t- it took two hours to clear all the smoke out. Oh, that sucks yeah that sure does so then you know i'm I'm using snapchat going back and forth with my friends and she's like uh what's wrong she could see my face because my face is just like you know bad you know like i was like i'm such an idiot i'm such a freaking ding dong i know (laughs) people will say well you know it could have been a lot worse you should be happy it wasn't worse i'm like I, i i don't get me wrong i'm delighted that it wasn't worse but I'm also so <laughs> mad that I'm, I'm like, I just did it with the the incident with the backyard. That was like I don't know, like eight years ago, seven years ago. But it feels like I just did it. Like I'm just getting over how stupid I am for that one. <laughs> now we get the uh, the the candle incident. yep
1: Oh, that's funny. No, I've yeah, never yeah, done anything that stupid. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but I have done stuff like burn soup, you know, because I got distracted by. St- Something else while I was supposed to be standing in the kitchen and and I cooked my soup down to charred remains of potato and <laughs> you know, among other things. But I never nearly burned down my house. I have thought about it. I thought I thought that <laughs> mistakes that I made would have led to that, but I've never I've never actually almost done it. I thought
0: you meant like that's it. I'm done with this. Burning down the house, like that rental house that you had there.
1: Yeah, that one should have been. It needs to be made over. And by made over, I mean bulldozed over and remade. <laughs> Yeah, so nope, never done anything quite quite like that, and and I'm not a I'm not a candle guy, never have been.
0: I don't so. think I am anymore either. I <laughs> uh,
1: don't blame you. Yep. I, scented candles make me either sneeze like mad or they just j- generate a tremendous amount of rage in me.
0: No, no, now they're gonna in- in generate uh, panic attacks. Um, uh, supposed to be relaxing. Uh, no. So uh, I I had a bit of a of a oops last week, apparently. Uh-huh. Uh somebody was nice enough to write in and let me know that a group of monkeys is not called a barrel. No. I was misinformed. Yep. Uh it seems that a group of monkeys is called a troop. A troop. Yes. So it's not a barrel of monkeys, it's a troop of monkeys. It's Sorry for the misinformation and uh so I'm
1: adds a whole new dimension to support the troops.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. I got nothing. Does not enough. endorse <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh let's get on with the show. Let's make a show here. I had earlier, before the show, I had myself a Caesar salad. So here's my trivia question for you, young man. Okay. In what country was the Caesar salad invented?
1: I know the answer to this question. I'll tell you at the end of the show.
0: Oh, you do know? I
1: do know. There's a food question. I'm always gonna know the food questions.
0: All right, very good. Well, maybe somebody listening doesn't know and they're going to have to suffer, <laughs> suffer through Love the whole me. thing. I'll give you a hint. It wasn't Italy. But let's have a podcast. All uh, right, this, this is the week beginning March the 1st.
1: Already, I know. Yep. Already hip deep in 2021.
0: It's supposed to be my turn to stop, but I'll let you start this week.
1: Well, thanks. Hey, speaking of stupid, stupid
0: things. <laughs> See, uh, speaking of back stupid back. podcast hosts.
1: Back mm-hmm. in 1987, <laughs> uh, when I... First time I ever bought a new car, which is a stupid, stupid thing in and of itself. I had a choice between two vehicles. One was a Dodge Daytona, and ultimately, when the financing looked like it was going to fall through for that, a Pontiac Fiero, which was a car that I absolutely loved from the minute I saw it and drove it too.
0: I'm going to throw this out right here. Okay, yep. you are never allowed to go car shopping with me. You <laughs> you bought
1: you the same. You buy the same silver Honda, separated by four years every time.
0: I'll have you know I had a green Honda once.
1: Um, That's true, <laughs> but it was silver on the inside,
0: Bill. I'll thank you to know it was beige on the inside. And you and I both have a uh, under our belt a terrible and, history of cars. Yes, yeah, a terrible history, with, especially that Volkswagen Golf. We both had one of those. I, I literally spent more more in two years fixing that car than I did paying off the loan. Yeah, same and, with me. Yeah, and then you went out and bought another one like a ding dong. Now, t- I, now t- I,
1: I figured 20 years goes by, they must have fixed the issue with the engine grounds, and they did. But they replaced that issue with a plastic manifold. and <laughs> 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 snapped off the engine at 65 miles an hour every time you drove it. Yeah, as a piece of junk. No, like, I loved the Fiero. I loved it. Mm -hmm. But the financing for the Daytona came through, ultimately, and I felt like I owed it to the salespeople that I was working with to follow through and buy the car. Turned out to be a good car, but for me, it was like it was no Fiero. So the reason I bring this up is because in 1988, only one year later, Pontiac announced the end of the Fiero automobile. And that was the only time that GM released a production rear engine car in their history after the Corvair. And it didn't result in Ralph Nader saying, these cars are going to kill your whole family. <laughs> it was a really neat car. Uh, yeah. Cool concept. and
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember the Fiero was a rear engine car. I remember that. That's, yep. I mean, that's rare. And there was this dude in my neighborhood who had a, a vanity license plate call, and it said rarity, and he had a Pontiac Fiero. Um, yeah, everybody
1: in New Bedford had a Pontiac Fiero in 1986 to 1988 that could get their hands on one because GM was pretty much just giving them away at that point.
0: <laughs> no, I actually met the guy, and he was he was a a weirdo. So that was his nickname, Rarity. It had nothing to do with the fact that his oh, car was a, ra- a rarity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, he was an odd bird. That's weird cuz my Daytona's
1: uh, vanity plate was Fiero. My <laughs> was.
0: Yeah, I remember the Daytonas too. I remember because like like what year you did you say that was 86? I
1: had an 88 Daytona. I 88,
0: loved it. Yeah. And like but like Florida in the 80s, like especially Daytona, like remember they used to do MTV Daytona Beach yes. Spring Break and all that? That yep, was like I do. Awesome, cool, and now because you know, thanks to the internet and stuff, you think of Florida and you just think of like Cuckoo Town,
1: <laughs> seventeen-foot-long alligators like yep. strolling across golf courses, eating golf carts, and yeah,
0: uh, yeah. The the romantic appeal of Florida is is much different now. <laughs>
1: Funny thing with the jumping back on the Fierro before oh, yeah. we get completely the, lost. The thing in that the, we're talking about, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. is It was sort of undone by General Motors. People tend to say bean counters, but it was like their accounting team. So the Fiero should have had a better engine and it had their crappy 75 horsepower Iron Duke junk engine that had been being used in their cheapo cars since like 1972. It was the engine that was in the base Vega. Right. So the cars were never fast, even though they looked fast.
0: The slowest sports car imaginable, right?
1: Yeah, it was definitely, it was a creeper, but again, they were cool looking and they were, alas, they didn't make it. They said they were done with them in 88 and I think they phased them out all the way in, I think 92 was the last year that they made them.
0: Rest in peace, Fierro.
1: They're still, you can still find them around. They still run.
0: It's a a rarity. (laughs) All right, moving on to March the 2nd, 1933, Uh, my favorite kaiju movie. King Kong hits the theaters. Yeah,
1: 1933 the first like real true uh, true full-on superstar blockbuster film is what this was.
0: Right, yeah. So people
1: used to line up around the block to see King Kong and it played for a million years in the in the cinema in 33.
0: Yeah, I, I I mean we talked about this a couple of months ago but it's it, it's worth talking about again cuz I went back and watched it, you know, we'll say a couple of months ago. That movie surprisingly holds up very, very well. For a movie that's like 90 years old, just about 90 years old, that movie holds up surprisingly well.
1: Well, it does a whole bunch of things for the first time really well that just get copied in because they're good. Yeah. They get used in other films, so the pacing is super, super fast, and it builds from one action sequence to the next, and it never lingers too long on that, mm-hmm. and the dialogue doesn't drift around too much, and the characters are all kind of believable, even though they're in an unbelievable situation. So, so there's a lot of it that's great. It, it was my dad's favorite, favorite movie, and whenever he used to show up on TV, which... I have a feeling we might talk about later. He used to let us stay up to watch it and be like, King Kong's on tonight. So that meant like grilled cheese sandwiches and popcorn and could stay up super late, even if it was on at 10 o'clock at night so that we could watch it with him.
0: The special effects in that movie are surprisingly great. We talked about uh, last week, uh, we talked about Um <laughs> Now, the special effects in *Lamageddon* are not nearly as, as good as the ones in King Kong. And you would think in the 90 years of uh, evolution, they would be. But no, King Kong special effects for their time. If you take the best special effects by today's standards, King Kong was that level by the by that standard. Oh, In yeah. Na- yeah. 1933, and then some. You watch it now, and you can see how they did and what they did and how they did it and all that, but it still looks great, <laughs> you know?
1: It does, and Willis, that's a testament to Willis O'Brien's skill as an animator. Mechanical parts of Kong, Yeah. the, the metal skeleton, was 33 inches tall, so weirdly corresponding to the year that the film was released. Uh-huh. And it took him something like five hours to animate five seconds of film and there's over 26 minutes of animation in king kong itself right yeah so there's a tremendous amount of work and it was he was a one-man show wasn't willis o'brien didn't have like willis o'brien incorporated where he had people that worked with him it was just him him and a monkey monster puppet that was it
0: i remember seeing an interview with him and he was talking about how everybody was complimenting him about how King Kong's fur kind of like blows in the wind, and he was yeah. like, "Yeah, that was a complete accident."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I gotta keep touching the thing. I gotta, I gotta move it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> for every click.
0: Yeah, uh, but the stop motion and that looks fantastic, and King Kong is one of those few movies where the remakes I like them quite a bit. Now, don't get me wrong; there's a few stinkers in there too, but the. The King Kong from 1970 was it 6 or 77? 70
1: 76.
0: 76. King Kong from 76 is phenomenal. I love I love that version.
1: of the, the Carlo Rambaldi King Kong and Rick Baker's uh man of the monkey suit.
0: Was it? Yeah. Rick Baker, the special effects artist. That's him. Oh no, kidding! I did not know. That. Under
1: under the direction of of special effects guy
0: Carlo Rimbaldi. Oh wow, wow! What a weird for, like kind of like first gig kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it wasn't his first gig, but it was it was one that got him like or, a lot of yeah, acclaim, yeah. and he was able to parlay that into a lot of work. The
0: Peter Jackson one isn't great. It's way too long. It's about two hours too long. The sound in that movie is phenomenal. And did you see Skull Island? Yeah, I, I saw Skull Island. loved Skull Island. I don't know what you thought, but I loved it.
1: I. Saw Skull Island. <laughs> but, like, I love the other goofy King Kong movies, too. Like, again, my, my particular favorite is King Kong vs. Godzilla from 1962, where King Kong looks like a guy literally wrapped in a rug with a gorilla mask on. Not the smartest of all the King Kong films. And I finally just got the opportunity to see it in original Japanese when it was released as part of a Criterion collection. Uh-huh. And I also like this weird-ass one called King Kong Escapes, which was produced by Toho and Rankin-Bass because Toho and Rankin-Bass still had the rights to King Kong.
0: Wait, didn't Rankin-Bass do all the Christmas specials? Yep. That's them. Yep.
1: They used to do a cartoon called King Kong for Saturday morning. It was a King Kong. Yes, I remember that. All as 10 men, King Kong. So this film dovetails in directly with that show, featuring the special effects that you would expect from a sort of middle-tier Godzilla movie where King Kong fights a robot version of himself on Tokyo Tower. It's friggin' fun as all get-out.
0: There's that other one that came out in the 80s with Linda Hamilton, King Kong Lives. (laughs) King Kong Lives. We went to the mall and it was playing at the cinema. On the way home, we stopped off at the video rental place and by the time we get to the video rental place, it was already available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. That movie was terrible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, let's go on to the third.
1: March 3rd. Uh, 1998, Bill Gates testifies at a Senate Judiciary Committee about Microsoft's dominant position in the software industry. I I, I bring this one up for a couple of reasons. One is that, ironically... Uh, 1998 was the most pointless update to Windows in the history of Windows updates. And there are tons of pointless updates.
0: I but beg to, switch to from- differ, Mr. McLogesh. I'm going to say
1: the difference between Windows 95 and Windows 98 is the difference between me today with a shirt on and me tomorrow with a different shirt on. I don't think it's any different other than it had another price point.
0: It was... A minimalist update, yes. But it was not the worst Windows operating system. I didn't say it was the worst uh, one. I said it was the most pointless That one goes to Windows ME, <laughs> Moron Edition. Moron Edition. Moron Edition. <laughs>
1: Yeah, where they tried to put in all like the, it's, it's the fetch the dog so you could go to the internet. It's like, what is this? This isn't, I don't understand how any of these things work.
0: I, nev- yeah. I never got that one. I've had them all except for two. I never got Millennium Edition and I never got Vista. I used to call those Windows for Dummies because <laughs> like I come, we come from the generation of like only smart, nerdy people use computers. It got to a point, there was that tipping point right around millennial, you know, uh, uh, around 2000 where if you didn't own a computer you're basically you're living on a de- deserted island
1: yeah you're, you're getting to the point where you're being cut off yeah, yeah. i understand that
0: it's, i mean there's very very few people that don't own i don't want to say they don't own a computer but don't own a computer type like some people don't have actual computers they might just use tablets
1: the other reason that i bring this up is because i generally don't have any sympathy for sort of the technological elite or the billionaire class of, of technology folks, until they're sitting in front of this U.S. Senate answering questions, because they're typically answering questions from people who, no matter how much you talk to them, do not understand even the basics of what it is they do <laughs> or how they work. So you'll see like a question from Bill Gates with, how come you tie your your internet browser into your mail program. And for him to say like, well, there's a synergy between both of those programs that use the same underpinning. So they're sort of drawing from a common set of files and or commands that make them work. So it makes natural sense that you would want to use the Internet Explorer browser and Outlook at the same time and that they can communicate between two easier than you can communicate with like a different browser like Firefox and and Outlook. And at that point, the senator's eyes are glazed over and you might as well just write the answers on ping pong balls and go... (laughs) and just bounce them off the senators' heads because they don't don't know what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) And no matter who it is, whether it's Zuckerberg from Facebook or the the guy that owns Google answering questions about like how they prioritize search engines, and it's clear from the Senate that they think that there's somebody sitting there saying, oh my God, John Thune is asking about President Trump. Well, I'm going to give him this link and this link, and I'm going to give him... That link and, oh, here's a link over here that I'm going to give them. What else can I get? Oh, there's an ad that I should put in. And when it's all done by something, but they don't understand that. They're like their mental model of how all these things work is like there's a person on the other side of the screen (laughs) who's doing the work for them that they're asking for at the keyboard. So that's the beginning of of high tech's big big trials and tribulations in front of the Senate was 98.
0: The only joke I could make here was something. I don't remember what talk show it was. It was one of the late night talk shows. It might have been like, I think, you know what? I think it was Saturday Night Live. Whenever Bill Gates, right around that time when Bill Gates was like one of the world's richest people, there was a, a woman who dated him in college. And she was like saying, Yeah, I remember Bill Gates from college. We dated a couple of times. I remember him having bad breath. And then the joke was Bill Gates says, Oh, yeah, I remember her. I seem to remember her not having $4 billion. <laughs> I remember the, very well about that time because, like, there were some people and you know, some of my friends that were so anti Windows or not so much anti Windows, anti Internet Explorer. Now, granted, everybody is anti Internet Explorer now, but at that time, you know, everyone was, there was like some elitists that were like, oh, no, no, I, I use Nutscrape or whatever it was called. <laughs>
1: What was kind of funny was Internet Explorer was a vast improvement over the browser that was in America Online, which was about the time that people were starting to drift out of the walled garden and out into the regular internet without needing those sort of guardrails to keep them in there. So being able to use Netscape or being able to use Internet Explorer was great because they were way faster. And then it didn't take long for Internet Explorer to become the browser that you use to download a better browser. Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah. So, moving on to March the 4th, 1966. There was an incident with the Beatles <laughs> where uh, where John Lennon had said, the Beatles are more popular than God now. Although, maybe he said they're more popular than Jesus. Whatever he said is that you know, the Beatles were insanely popular in 1966. And John Lennon had made some sort of reference that said, that um, the Beatles were... We're more popular than Jesus. Yeah, we're more popular than Jesus right now. Now, never mind the trivia question at the top of the show. Let's ask another trivia question. (laughs) What country do you think went the absolute most backwater bat (laughs) crazy reactionary bull (laughs) to this little slip of the tongue that John Lennon made?
1: It's not even a slip of the tongue. It's like a cheeky comment.
0: So what country do you think it was that said, burn the Beatles to the ground? and made... Let's start some Beatle record bonfires! Yeah, and made huge that big would, piles that be, of Beatles yes. records and burned them all up. What country do you think because that was?
1: That that would be some fundamentalist place. I'm sure. Yeah. With a population of people who were devout exactly. in their insanity. Yeah. So, it was so,
0: yeah. The United States of America. Yeah. <laughs> the United States of
1: America. Yeah.
0: yeah, that was us. Yeah, collect...
1: That was us, because if we didn't have anything better to do in 1966 than rip ourselves from the inside out over John Lennon saying... We're more
0: popular than Jesus. And and then, yeah, and then he like had to backtrack and he was like, well, I didn't say that was a good thing. I was just saying it's a, you know, it's a fact that like we're more popular than Jesus and maybe it shouldn't. Meanwhile, you know, John Lennon could give two shits about, you know, religion, especially America.
1: Right. They must have just been baffled, like sitting back in England, like, what the hell is this? Like, what did you say? Let's watch the tape again. And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're more popular than Jesus. He didn't say like I finger banged the Buddha. No. <laughs> you didn't say like the Maharishi stole my children. No,
0: nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, they didn't have a you they know? didn't have a picture of Mohammed on their album cover or something, <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. We're more popular than Jesus. Like that's that's it. That's it. It's spaz. It's go time. <laughs> Start them fires. You know, ah, I should expect that from a country that did the same thing with comic books because of one dude's book and, and linking them to juvenile delinquency and and whatever. But yeah,
0: it's, it's a- to be perfectly fair, to be perfectly like like okay with this whole story. The Beatles albums didn't actually start getting really good until the next year anyway. <laughs> so like I mean all they were burning down at that point was like Love Me Do, you know.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, you know what that's true. I like, it's Rubber Soul came out after that in 66, yeah. right?
0: And yeah, Saja yeah. Pepper's was 1970 uh, 1967.
1: <laughs> so again, it's like that's like burning the Wiggles record cuz the the yellow wiggle says I don't like kangaroos, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's it. Burn them down. You know, like that's that's kind of the the, the sophistication you're dealing with. I don't understand.
0: Vegemite. I could I, I could give it a take it. I don't really. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Crazy time.
0: Moving on to the fifth,
1: March fifth, nineteen fifty-six. Just a quick a quick note. King Kong, as we talked about earlier, uh, first is televised in the United States. So it's the first time it's ever televised. Fifty-six is. Uh... 1956. Yeah, it took a long time for it to get to TV, but it it finally did. Ten
0: short years before the Beatles burned to the ground.
1: The real fun fact for this day, March 5th, 1971, Stairway to Heaven is first played live by Led Zeppelin at the Ulster uh, Hall in Belfast. Oh. It turns out that that was the last song of the night at the Ulster Hall 8th grade dance because <laughs> that was the only time I ever heard Stairway to Heaven as a kid was at the last song of the 8th grade dance or the I mean, some of the high school dances too, but definitely 7th uh, and 8th grade middle school dances.
0: Yeah, see, I went to Catholic school right at the, like, 7th and 8th grade for me in Catholic schools, like right at the beginning of the Satanic Panic, Like, I remember these, like, these dudes coming to, like, our classroom and doing, like, the the playing the records backwards and, (laughs) and Stairway to Heaven was definitely in there with the My Sweet Satan and all that. My Sweet Satan. Yeah. And the only reason they were there was that they were actually DJs, and they only played Christian rock, and they wanted us to hire them to be the DJs at our like eighth grade dance, right? Right, right, right. So we're we're over there, you know, at this eighth grade dance, and my class was hilarious. We had thirty kids, like nine of which were girls. The rest was it was a pickle party. It was all dudes, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, We got this class of like, uh, you know, uh, it was like Alaska or a reverse Alaska population wise. And they're playing all these songs that we've never heard in our lives. (laughs) Get a bunch of people that are not really about dancing in the first place, you know. Right.
1: And and then play them the cow sills. Like, what is this?
0: Like, what the hell is Yeah, (laughs) You might just want to play Stairway to Heaven. I know you're saying it's going to burn us in hell, but at this point I'm going to risk it. (laughs)
1: Look, I'm just gonna say that there's a bustle in my (laughs) hedgerow. It's a funny song, like because I again I still I even when I hear it today, I still associate it with middle school. Mm -hmm. Middle school dance the end of the middle school dance. I know it's gonna be leaving right after the song, and this song is long. Yes. And it's also impossible to dance to. Oh right. And it's always a slow dance because it's not a slow song, but it starts as one and then it sort of all of a sudden it's going fast. It's like the boiling a frog thing. Yeah, it, yeah, You throw the frog in the water and you start the fire, and slowly the water comes up to boil, and the frog is like, "Oh, it's comfy bath time." Hey, it's a little hot in here, dead.
0: I never went to these dances, and like when I did, it was like uh, you know, it was like going to church time. So I'm just trying to picture this, like <laughs> people try to slow dance, because that's like. A common thing. It's not like yep. just at your school. This was like everywhere. It was like no, the last no. dance. No, I
1: think it was at everybody's. Yes. Everybody's. But like, school.
0: how do you? How does that even happen? It's like you got your your, your arms around this girl's hips. She's got her, her arms around your your neck. There's you know plenty of room for Jesus in between the two of you. And you're over there doing the slow dance of the lady who knows blah blah blah. And then uh, yeah. what the hell happens when it gets done? And then we all down the road
1: everybody just sort of just keeps going because they're like look we're on this train and we can't get off until the train stops so we're just going to keep sitting here doing this whatever we're doing until this train is over even though we look like romero zombies stumbling around the mall (laughs) because we are off tuned to the muzak we got three more minutes of this and then i'm not going to have my hands on a girl girl's not going to have her hands on me until the next dance or in my case, until I got married,
0: one of the <laughs> one of those time machine things, like you could go back and into yeah. into your eighth grade body. What I would do if I could do that now is, when it gets to that pot, I would take my hands and I would cross them over each other. Picture this in your mind now: cross them over each other so that my thumbs are facing out, and the girl would do the same thing. And then we would lock hands and wrists and then spin each other around like a freaking carnival ride or like two crazy motherfuckers in a mosh pit and just like spin around the dance floor, taking down everybody that gets in our way like some sort of juggernaut. That'd be the way to do it.
1: Yes, I can see how that would (laughs) would liven up the end of the eighth grade dance for sure. The song is still still too long and still...
0: (laughs) It's still playing right now.
1: And no matter what anybody says, Led Led Zeppelin, we're more popular than Jesus in
0: 1971. (laughs) Because it's my sweet saint. All right, moving on to March the 6th. March the 6th, 1950, Silly Putty becomes available on toy shelves everywhere. Silly Putty is a very interesting story. Do you know... How this stuff came to be?
1: I do not. All I know is that you can pull you can pull comic images out of the newspaper using mm-hmm. silly putty, and if it gets ground into the carpet,
0: your mother yeah. will disown and you and
1: threaten yes. to yeah. kill
0: you. Uh, yeah, silly putty lifting comic uh, strips. That's the original stealing memes, as I saw on a meme.
1: Ooh. Look, it's Popeye. Look, I made his head stretch, brain.
0: So, silly putty, during World War II, there was lots of things that were rationed. Everything was rationed. You could only get so much coffee. You could only buy so much groceries. And everything was rationed for the war. And one of the things that was seriously rationed was rubber. They needed rubber, you know, uh, for the war effort, for tires, for Jeeps, and stuff like that. All these different scientists and whatever were fast-tracked trying to come up with a rubber substitute so that we could have something to work with over here. One of the things that got invented was this silicon based stuff. uh, This, you know, this fleshy colored silicon based stuff. Did it work as a rubber substitute? No, it did not. Uh, But they had plenty of it and, and the war, you know, ended shortly thereafter. And they had plenty of this stuff like in surplus. And the guy figured out that if, you know, you you could rip it apart and you can roll it into a ball and you can bounce it around the room. And, you know, like I said, you could pick up the print off the newspaper and whatnot. And they just like put it in little eggs and sold it as toys. And that's how silly putty came about it was a it was an accident
1: i used to love yeah. that stuff when i was a kid oh yeah it's it was one of those it was like a cheap toy but it wasn't a cheap right. toy it was inexpensive but it was one of those like usually you got it like for like a weird stocking stuffer if you celebrated christmas yeah. or like it was in like the if you went to a kid's birthday party and his parents were rich they were like oh Here's a gift bag for you, child, who came to visit my son's yep. birthday. And you get it in there with, like, a, some candy or whatever.
0: Or it's one of those, like, kind of toys that you went out shopping with your mom and you started bugging her and she'd buy it for you just to shut you up because that's exactly right. what my mom did yeah. with me, yeah.
1: That it came with a threat like, don't play with that on the right. carpet. Yeah, yep,
0: yep. A death threat. And uh, you know what this actually, like, reminds me of is one of those, like, Silly Buddy, like I said, it was, a, it was an accident. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have happened. Do you remember... I'm going to say late 90s, there was this stuff that they came up with. It was a synthetic fat called Oline.
1: Oh, hey, oh, no, Olestra. Olestra. Yeah, that was Olestra. Yeah, that, they put it Olien in was the, the
0: brand name. Yeah, we made the joke. It was like, Oline today. Oh, no, tomorrow. Because... <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so you could buy your special like Doritos made with Olestra and it came with a coupon for a free roll of toilet paper. Yeah.
0: Like uh, uh,
1: that stuff did not stay in your system long. The
0: warning on it was hilarious because it said may cause diarrhea or constipation. It's like they got are right. hedging their bets, you know, they're, they're right. playing both everything on red and black. And then the <laughs> uh, the most hilarious part about that, it said may inhibit the body's ability to absorb some vitamins. <laughs>
1: But that's okay. Who needs vitamins when you're eating Doritos? Why would you put that in your mouth? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's the point where you're better off
0: eating silly putty.
1: (laughs) Yes. But the point being is like people are not going to say dumb, but people are like, well, look, I'm trying to lose weight and I really still want to eat a whole bunch of chips.
0: But so, well, you're gonna lose weight, them. all right. You're gonna completely empty your bowels in four and a half minutes. Right, right, right. <laughs> Blow a blood vessel in your eyeball in the process. Funny bit though. Do you know what ended up? What they ended up doing with all that leftover Alestra once they? Because it was only on the market for like a month and a half, right?
1: They when they put it in a con, in a containment unit with new Coke and shoot it into space. No,
0: they actually used it as machine lubricants. <laughs>
1: That sounds about right.
0: (laughs) Think about that, all you health-conscious people. You were putting machine oil into your system. No wonder you freaking sh** yourself. God. Uh, All right, let's, uh, let's wrap up the week. What do we got? March 7th,
1: 1994... The United States Supreme Court rules in Campbell versus A. Cuff Rose Music that parodies of an original work are generally covered by the doctrine of fair use. Now, fair use is a sort of fluid concept in that if something is published and copyrighted and you take it and incorporate it into something that you're doing, you could be accused of plagiarism or intellectual property theft. However, there are conditions where that doesn't apply. One is for periods of, for use of, in review, uh, for education, and for intentional parody. So the, the song in question is from friend of the court, uh, two Live Crew, multiple defendant uh, v- versions, of Two Live Crew, Luther Campbell, being sued by the estate of um, Roy Orbison because of their song Pretty Woman, which lifts the guitar riff and the first set of lyrics from Oh Pretty Woman. And the,
0: yeah, the whole vocal and, pattern, yeah.
1: And then goes to Two Live Crew town
0: with the rest <laughs> of the song. Uh, for, the, for those who don't know, for, for anyone to who might Roy. be younger, the Two Live Crew was a uh, Florida-based rap band who at the time (laughs) broke down every barrier there was. Their brand of rap was just made to offend. It was just filthy. It was filthy to the point of being hilarious.
1: And they got sued so many times. Poor Luther Campbell, right? Luther Campbell was sued by Lucasfilm because his performance name was Luke Skywalker. That was copyright infringement. And then he got criminally charged for putting out the their first
0: album. As nasty as they want to be. uncensored
1: version, as nasty as they want to be. And and it got sold through mail order to an undercover police officer. Right, yeah. They got brought up on obscenity
0: charges. It was They got brought up
1: on obscenity charges and they got arrested for playing live for obscenity and the band that I still love to this day, Too Much Joy... Went and did a show in Florida and did Two Live Crew songs in solidarity, and they also got arrested and charged with obscenity. They, two Live Crew got busted in Florida, which I think per capita has more like gentlemen's clubs than any other state in the United States. Oh yeah, and they were primarily playing at gentlemen's clubs when they play, when they played live. So it's not like they were doing like an all ages show.
0: So hold on, so they were only playing at like strip clubs?
1: They're mostly playing at at adult themed entertainment establishments. Yes, I believe is the phrase. <laughs> that.
0: Let me tell you something. I've been to uh, adult themed entertainment establishments uh, <laughs> in Florida. In fact, there's one road, where I think it's called Cherry Blossom Road in Orlando, where it's like Boston and Dunkin' Donuts, where it was just like, like, gentlemen's club, gentlemen's club, gentlemen's club, like one right after the other, after the other, after the other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you end up with that. It's competition, yeah.
0: man. <laughs> we were in there, right? And I had just turned 21. You know, the waitress comes over and she was like, something to drink? I was like, "Uh, yeah, can I get a vodka and tonic? And her face just, like, drops and gives me this, like, this death stare. She goes, beer or wine? I'm like... Whoa, reel it in there, sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, they don't sell alcohol at all at uh, gentlemen's clubs in Florida. Yeah,
1: I'm sure that that prevents people from like getting grabby with the performers and being in an environment where there's so much testosterone, people sort of can't help but be incredibly stupid. So why would you want to add like <laughs> spirits to that that environment? That's a bad uh, yeah. It's thing. like giving
0: a, a kid or me, matches. Right. Uh, <laughs> right, yes. All right, uh, let's move on to the birthdays. March the 1st, 1944. Ooh, a youngin'. But one of the most powerful voices in rock and roll in general roger daltrey of the who oh
1: yeah he can sing like mad that guy
0: like to this day i went to see the who uh it was probably about five years ago six years ago now and roger daltrey is just still like belting it out pete townsend not as much but roger daltrey still awesome
1: yeah he's got an amazing voice that guy's supremely talented always been one of my favorites since the first time i heard the who so
0: happy birthday roger daltrey Um, I remember one time uh, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd was on uh, Conan O'Brien's show, and Conan O'Brien made mention that, you know, Roger Waters was very tall for a rock star. And he goes, well, you're very tall for a talk show host. He goes, no, you don't understand. He goes, I just had Roger Daltrey on... (laughs) <laughs> like two weeks ago, and he's this big—you can put him right in your pocket. Yeah, <laughs> Roger Daltrey's—he's—he's he's tiny. He's like five four, I think. He's yes. really short.
1: Yeah, he makes up for it with giant hair and lots of uh, tassels yep. in the seventies. And I—I
0: I read uh, Pete Townsend's autobiography. Here's a fun thing that you might not know about Roger Daltrey. He will kill you. Yeah, he was tough.
1: Yeah, he's what I've heard is like he was he has no nonsense, no, no nonsense at all. Like the one guy in the who that never had drug problems, that's Roger Daltrey. And was able to hold the band together by in in some cases, like I think it was Keith Moon who said, yeah, I flushed all my stuff down the toilet. And then when I called him on it, he knocked me out cold. All right, moving on. Uh, March 2nd, 1886, uh, Willis O'Brien, the the man who animated King Kong in 1933. So the the man who brought stop motion animation, uh, not just in King Kong, but also in uh, 1925 in a film called The Lost World. Oh, yeah. And then later, a little bit on Mighty Joe Young and and before that on son of kong so he he had a pretty good career for that stuff
0: and stop motion i mean obviously it's kind of a lost art form with cgi and stuff like that but you'll still catch it here and there all right moving on to march the third here's something that you definitely don't see anymore March the 3rd, 1974, David Faustino. And who the hell is that, you're saying? That is the young man who played Bud Bundy on Married with Children.
1: Most recently appeared in a Whatever Happened to the People of Married with Children (laughs) internet special. Yeah, he hasn't been in much since Married with Children went Off the Air. And I don't don't know why. I always thought he was talented. Yeah. But I guess he, he was never able to shake the Bud Bundy role and that was the end of that for him. But he was in a movie or two, but they were always like super low budget and he was never the star. And then he just sort of vanished.
0: Married with Children Had a very long run. I'm I'm sure he's still making money from it. So, and and maybe that's what he wants to do. Some people they're like, "No, I don't have to work anymore."
1: Well, he was pretty short. Maybe he was waiting for a Roger Daltrey biopic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next up, March fourth, nineteen fifty-four. Someone who doesn't have to wait for a Roger Daltrey biopic. Uh, Catherine O'Hara, Canadian actress and very very funny member of SCTV in the early '80s, and made the transition over the transom into uh, very very popular films. Still acting today and still funny as I'll get out.
0: Yeah. I know her best from Beetlejuice. Yeah,
1: and she was the she was Kevin's mother in Home Alone.
0: Oh yeah, that's right, that's right, that's her. She's like one of my favorite style of comedians with the the straight person where you don't really understand how funny that person actually is, but they right. they just play the straight person so well, and like her right. being the straight, and then in Beetlejuice during the um, the banana boat sequence, you'd believe that she's actually possessed. You know, right. do saying like that because you're so used to see her being straight that when when she starts like going off like that and really showing off for comedic chops you actually think she's possessed because you really buy into that straightness of her yeah. character
1: yep she's also super good at like weird impro- improvisational stuff too mm-hmm. so she gets into a lot of the christopher guest movies she was like really funny and waiting for guffman and she was really 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 funny and best in show
0: all right moving on to march the 5th 1955 one of my heroes Mr. Penn Gillette of Penn and teller the tall one the one that talks the one that talks yep yeah. I like him a lot yep yeah, he's got, he's got a great podcast called Penn Sunday School and uh, we brought up Gilbert Gottfried last week because it was his birthday there is several episodes of Penn Gillette Sunday school where Gilbert Godfrey is a guest because they're really good they're really good <laughs> friends if you yeah. can like do some sort of a search and find those episodes, oh my God, they are the funniest thing. Because those two just go back and forth riffing, making each other laugh. Gilbert Gottfried has a very infectious laugh. Pendulette has a very funny laugh as well. It's very high pitched. Right, right, right. Yep. Pendulette is actually from Massachusetts. He's from yep. uh, he's from Western Mass. Yep. Those. Yeah, Greenfield. Right? Yeah, Greenfield. Way yeah, way out like <laughs> the pot of Massachusetts that doesn't look like the pot of Massachusetts that we're from, right? Right. Yep. Started out as a juggler at Renaissance fairs. Met up with Rudy, uh, Rudy Teller, Teller better known as. Started a magic career together, and they, they've. I've been a fan of Penn and Teller since. Uh, oh, jeez, in the eighties. Like I remember when they yeah. they used to show up on David Letterman all the time. They did the Run right. DMC video for It's Tricky. Remember that?
1: Yep. I remember that when they did this. They did the show where they sort of broke down magic. It, they broke down illusions yep. and helped identify like scams and stuff. Yep. That was really that would just be really clever. Yep,
0: and they had the show bulls on Showtime, which was fantastic. Yeah, I and uh, I went to see them. I went to see them in uh in Las Vegas. They did a a really great show. Actually my brother got up on stage for the bullet catch. Oh nice. Yeah he examined the guns because uh they they, they wanted somebody that was a uh was a cop yeah yeah no a gun expert. Was, yeah. my, my brother's a firearms instructor so yeah. All right, all right next
1: Very up cool. all right March sixth, nineteen seventeen Will Eisner, you may not recognize that name right off, but he was the he's the father of the newspaper comic strip, the Spirit which was made into a horrible movie by Frank Miller. Yeah. But is sort of one of the foundational pillars of comic book, the comic book art community. In fact, the Eisner Award is named for him. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he didn't just do comic books. He also worked for the Department of Defense and did a whole bunch of uh, like how-to drawings for engineering, for like assembling a Jeep from parts, assembling a bridge from schematics, using all these different tools or taking apart rifles. So he was able to use sequential art to do this to break these complicated tasks down so that GIs could do them step by step, and as somebody in the in my line of work as a trainer, those are the, f- the fundamental principles that we use in what's called instructional design. So Will Eisner, although you may not know his name, has a humongous footprint uh, in in the art world. So whenever he of was
0: that. whenever he was making these uh, designs for Jeeps, did he include silly putty for the tires? <laughs> uh, yes, of course he did. All right. And well, ra- then,
1: ironically, you could use Silly Bunny to take Will Eisner strips out of the paper. that you, you can pick up for the, the spirit.
0: And wrapping up the celebrity birthdays, March the 7th, 1964, American author and American psycho, Brett Easton Ellis, the author of American Psycho. Uh, he also wrote Glamorama. Yeah, uh, no, Glamorama. Glamorama oh, was a, a, yeah. a 90s band. Glamorama. That's right. And... Yeah. Um, and Rules of Attraction, which is a very underrated movie. Yeah, and Less Than Zero. Yes. And interesting about his books is they all kind of exist within each other's universe. Like, uh, yeah,
1: he, he has characters that jump from one book
0: to the yeah, next. Yeah, like uh, American Psycho and Rules of Attraction have one chapter in common. Right. Uh, but in American Psycho, Patrick Bateman is going to talk to his younger brother, Sean, uh, about letting him borrow money. And in Rules of Attraction, Sean goes to visit his older brother Patrick. Right. Yeah, they all yep. kind of intertwine. He's got an uncommon—I'm not going to say unusual because you'll shut me down—but he has an uncommon writing style where he writes in first person present. So instead of Bob went to the store, it's I'm going to the store. It's happening yeah, as it's, you read it. Yeah.
1: First, right, first person present tense. It's—it's not super uncommon, and his his stuff is—it's—it has that sense of immediacy because of that type of writing. Yep. Where it's not like he's telling you the story, but you're existing at the same time the story is, and you're pulled into the main character, which is how I was able to work my way through America, American Psycho.
0: American Psycho uh, is kind of a tough book to get through because the first two thirds of it are all character development and, like, just to show off how obsessive he is about everything. And then the last thirds of it, it's like a roller coaster with, like, no tracks. It's just, ah! It is one of yeah, the most yeah, graphic. It's all over the place. It is graphic and horrifically disgusting. Oh my god! That actually got him like in trouble. Like that book got banned.
1: it was. It didn't get banned, but it did get challenged a lot. Yeah, they, um, they, it still gets challenged. Yeah, they burned his house. It's not, like it's, it's not like it's not like it's like something that's put on like the banned books list or anything like that because it's not a required read anywhere. Right. But it does get challenged. Like people don't want it like in their town library, you know, or their college library, or other things like that. Oh, or right. they don't want it to be displayed in the bookstore and where children might see it. A cover, which was. Literally just a white book cover with American Psycho written on it and nothing else. Yeah,
0: I read the book American Psycho because I was I went to see a movie and I saw the trailer for it. And I knew it was a song by the Misfits. And I was like, oh, I want to read the book before I see the movie because I really like the song. The song would, right. uh, to me, in my little personal p brain mind, would never be given the title of... The Worst Song Ever. For you common folk, for you people out there listening, when we started putting Twibly together over the summer, talking about like what the what the segments were gonna be and stuff like that, I was like, oh, I used to do this thing on my Facebook page called the worst song ever. We should do that as a segment. You know, we've kind of been sitting around, we've kind of been sticking with the the theme where the worst song ever would be the number one song that particular right. week in history. But since we started doing this podcast together, so However many episodes it is. Anyway, however, we have been saying we have to talk about this album. This, so this is not even worst song ever. This is the worst album ever. The album is called "Standing in the Spotlight." It's by D.D. King. Now, who the hell is D.D. That's King? That's right.
1: D.D. King is is is, uh, is D.D. Ramon, and his record is, in fact, yes, yeah, "Standing in the Spotlight." Oh. And this is this is D.D. King doing. It's not even. I, I want to say it's a rap record, but it's not. Because it only has a couple of songs in it that fall into that rap, sort of the rap circle in the Venn diagram, but they're terrible. (laughs) And everything else on it is also terrible. But runs the span of things that sound kind of like the Ramones to things that are covers of stuff that's clearly old and weird, like mashed potato time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's not a good record. This is the kind of record that you listen to when you want someone else. You want to watch someone else's face and when you put it on with a straight yeah. face. Oh, I got something for you.
0: <laughs> I remember watching the the documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's a worth, for music history, it's worth watching. The documentary called The End of the Century, and it's a you know documentary about yeah. the Ramones. You know, when we were growing up, and I think I said this about Kiss a couple of weeks ago, you know, we idolized our rock heroes and all that. And then you get older and you become an adult, and you become an older adult. You look back at, you know, the the people that were rock stars when they're younger than what you are now, you know? And you're like, wow, they were idiots, you know? <laughs> and D.D. King or D.D. Ramone, you know, he was a principal songwriter for the Ramones, and he wrote great songs. Not a brilliant man, though. You know what I mean? Right. And you see him in interviews, and he's talking about why he did the D.D. King thing. And he didn't just do it. He quit the Ramones to do it.
1: <laughs> to make his to make his way as a rap right. act. Because
0: yeah. I think the album came out in the March of 1989, I believe. And he was like, you know... We were doing the Ramones and we were touring, and we'd always have like packed shows with the Ramones, but we never, you know, sold more than that, you know, 500,000 copies of any one of our albums. He goes, and then I see all these guys, and they just got this backbeat and they're doing these rhymes, multi platinum albums. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. And it turns out he can't. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's uh let's let's show our uh, our friends here what we're actually dealing with here. Uh, I'm gonna play a clip from a song called German Kid. You wouldn't believe the places I've been. It's pretty cool to be half German. Slap me fat, give me some skin. I used to live in Berlin. It's residents on the Aiden Top. But since that's for music, the Elton Jetzt Yes, ich Genug. I'll be designed all right the funniest part about this is I mean, the, the vocal pattern all of all of his raps have that same kind of vocal that weird yeah, like- my name is didi and i'm here to say i like fruity pebbles in a major way um, but that background vocal, that half American, do you know who that is? It's
1: Debbie Harry, yeah.
0: yeah Debbie Harry from Blondie. Blondie. My God, he, she must have owed him a favor or something.
1: I'm sure he was like, hey, look, I'm doing this project, you know, you want to be part of it? And she's like, all right, you know, we've been friends for 20 years, might as well. And she finds herself singing background vocals on D.D. King's record.
0: You know why? Because the term enabler wasn't... <laughs> Been invented yet. Yes. Had, hadn't been coined at that point. Wasn't as popular as it is these days. Poor Didi. Uh, he recorded, you know, he got replaced in the Ramones by CJ. And he continued to record ramone style albums afterwards. Right. As a matter of fact, he's got, you know, several Didi Ramone albums. Right. Thankfully, he didn't do any more Didi King stuff.
1: Then they have a couple of other songs like Funky Man, but that's not on this record, right?
0: Um, I'm not sure if Funky Man's on it's, it. I know I it's, it's not. It's, it's not on it. It was like it's a single though, or
1: something.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a teaser, a teaser single. Oh my god, I remember. <laughs> I'm this sure th- that drove
1: people the way in droves from this record.
0: I remember before this album came out, my friend. Uh, you remember Jen from the mall, right? She was like. <laughs> She like, comes up to me and she's like, oh, my God, Deedee Ramon, quit the Ramones. He's going to cover up his tattoos and do rap now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I thought she was joking, but sure enough, it's what happened. But I just remember her just being like, like finding out there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> she was so shocked by it. I, I, that, 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 that's my memory of this album. It, you know what, though? I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I will listen to it. I have it, and I will listen to it.
1: Yeah, I put it on every now and then, yeah. and then I'm good for one listen through, and I'm like, yep, this yeah. still
0: sucks. And, you know, there's other songs on there, like uh, The Crusher, that ended up being a Ramones song. Even though Didi Dee Dee left the Ramones, he continued to write a lot of the music for him long after he had left right. the band. All right. Poor Dee, Dee. You know what, though? No one was great about Didi. Dee Dee. You know, he died, you know, way too early, but he got... Put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a couple of months. I'm gonna say no more than three months before he passed away. So at the very least, he he lived long enough to have, you know to get to the Rock and Roll of Fame. And the remotes yep. definitely definitely deserve to be there. All right, and let's uh, wrap up the show. Let's wrap up the show with the answer to the trivia question. There, Mr. Smarty Trousers. He knows the answer this week. Uh in which country was Caesar salad? Invented, or where did it originate?
1: It, it originated in the exact same country that flipped its shit over the Beatles saying that they were more popular than Jesus.
0: Actually, you're wrong! I did get eh, you! Really? I got you, I got you, I got you! Ha <laughs> ha! I thought you were going somewhere when you said that they flipped their shit because of their their water quality no it it was invented in mexico it was invented in mexico by a man named caesar cardani so the caesar in caesar salad is not julius it is caesar cardini is the guy's first name yep I felt bad at the beginning of the show. I was like, oh, he knows this one. That's not fun. It's it's better when I stump you, but you got it wrong, so that's good. All right, that's gonna wrap up the show for this week. We will see you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. All Have right. a great week, Jeff. All right, Say you good too. Good night, Jeff. Good night, Jeff. Bye everybody. Bye guys. Special thanks to James Costa for our theme music. Thank you so much for listening to Twibley. This week was way better than last year. You can follow and or message us over on Instagram or on Facebook at T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you tell your friends if you like our show. And if you don't like our show, tell your friends you did like it. It'll be a great prank you can play on them. Have a good week, guys.